0: So Jonathan, uh-huh, I hear you have a weird bone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who, you heard? So yeah, I,
0: I, I heard it from you, so it can't just be a rumor.
1: I told you, So I called you on the phone or I sent you an you, email or a text.
0: You texted me and you were like, "I've got a weird bone." <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's, I do a lot of things in this life of mine. Did I really do that?
0: Maybe it wasn't those exact Maybe words. Maybe it
1: was too. You're like my bone crunchless.
0: is overgrown. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't
1: I think I know what you're talking about now. I have too much
0: femur. You have too much bone. <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow. Uh, my femur, for those who don't know that is the leg bone that goes into to the, the, the hip, hip socket. socket. The hip socket, the hip bone. <laughs> yep, it, it, the leg bone's connected to the hip bone and my femur ball is too robust
0: it's thick
1: it's probably not extra <laughs> you're, loving, you're, you're loving
0: it it's too perfect
1: that my ball is too thick yeah i bet
0: you've got a thick ball.
1: one thick ball <laughs> I, they didn't check the other hip bone ball Maybe my other ball big, too. Who, know? <laughs> Who knows?
0: I mean, of all the problems that you could have in life, Jonathan, that... I mean, it leads to actual
1: hip problems. They, I, the reason that I found You're out... You're
0: like, because of your back pain? Yeah. That you've my, been complaining about fortnightly? This is somewhat, yeah.
1: My back's <laughs> been good this past week, but you mess up your hip, could mess up your back. You mess up your back, you could mess up your hip. My cholesterol is high. Whoa! By like 10 points. Oh, geez. It's not that bad. If I just stop eating cheese and burgers, I'll probably be fine. Who knows? But yes, it's true. My bone is big. I can't can't help it. I just can't help it. Everybody to another episode of Talking to Women About Video Games. It's a podcast, and we've got guests back. This is a monumental occasion for many an episode. We have had it be strictly Jonathan and Tanya, and as fun as that is...
0: Just for a little while, it's been just us two. I
1: think it's been three months.
0: Whoa, time flies. Yeah, I
1: know, it really does. The Redneck Tonberry is back. A new guest, Rainy Baker, will be on the show. Very exciting. To lead into them... I think it is once again NFT talk.
0: I know, I know. It
1: is just. It's
0: it's the way it's gonna be.
1: I didn't think it was gonna be this way, but it is in fact this way. It is similar to that movie about the comet, where people are like, "Don't look up." Yeah, don't look up with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Leo DiCap, Mm -hmm. and Jenny Lawrence is in there. Yeah, J Lo, J Law.
0: J Law is what they call her. Is that
1: what they call her? It is a movie where the people are like, it's going to get bad. And then people are like,
0: maybe, maybe yes, maybe no. The Meryl whole... Streep is like, don't worry about how bad it's going to get.
1: Exactly. We've got like, it covered. Was I the Meryl Streep of the situation? I talked about NFTs like they were a goof. And oh, this is bad news.
0: Oh, I've got it under control. Nobody's going to take it seriously. I know how to fix this.
1: I don't know if I said that, but maybe I did. <laughs> I would say that. That's the kind of thing I would say. Sega is doing the right thing, I think, and noticing that people don't want them. But some woman on 90 Day Fiance is selling NFTs of fart jars.
0: Is she doing that just yet? Because I thought she was farting in jars. She had a complication. Yep. So I'm medically minded. You are. (laughs) This bitch decided she was going to eat legumes all day. And, uh, sure. and, and whatever, probably like hyper-caffeinated and carbonated as well.
1: I don't know if you read about the omelets, but <laughs> oh, ham and garlic omelets.
0: And she was like, just gas me up.
1: Yeah, she was selling jars that were filled with fart gas.
0: I was thinking about... <laughs> so I want to know if, if you or anybody else thought about logistics of this, like getting the seal how do you cover the jar quickly to contain the fart in the jar? Yeah. If a fart is caught in a jar and sent across the United States and opened in a package five to seven days later, does it still smell? Yeah. It does?
1: Yeah, the stuff that lives in there, it, it really...
0: Is it alive in there in I the think air? there's
1: living f- fart smell. So
0: I'm medically minded, but this is something I'd actually like to know.
1: We can look into it. And she was making fifty thousand dollars a week selling her farts in jars. Ugh. It's the truly the least passion project I've ever heard of. Some people may have this as a kink that they want other people to smell their farts in a jar. I don't think that was the case here, though. I think it was she was money. Like, this is strictly for the money. This is totally worthless. But people are confused and profit oriented, and those are very often the same thing they're confused because they're profit-oriented, they're profit-oriented because they're confused and they don't know what's actually valuable in this world, that they thought, well, I'll buy this celebrity's farts and the value will go up. And she was, again, making $50,000 a week.
0: Can you really call somebody who's on 90 Day Fiancé a celebrity, though?
1: That's a great question. I mean,
0: you're like, I can relate.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was on a a show that was less popular than 90 Day Fiancé... But I never sold. So the, the thing is, <laughs> because her farts were selling enough to make that much money, I'm guessing she has clout with someone because someone thought her gas was valuable. And Ugh. because she was... I'm sorry. A, I
0: don't mean a kink shame at all. I, I'm sorry. I don't think it's a kink necessarily. For the receiver, it's probably most definitely a, a I kink. I don't know.
1: I don't know. I think people really thought this is going to have some sort of novelty value in the future that I, I actually have one of these. Can you believe she was me Don't crack the jars? seal. Yeah. It's like, it's
0: like having your GI Joe in the original packaging. <laughs>
1: exactly. Except it's a stinky fart.
0: From a fiance. <laughs> Could somebody argue that it's sex, sex work?
1: No. I mean, you can argue that I bought a Snickers and shoved it up my butt. That doesn't mean Snickers is a sex work company. The farts are not for sex. They're not sex farts.
0: Somebody might say they're sex farts. Somebody, somebody might say
1: that the Gummy Bears cartoon from Disney.
0: Gummy Bears. And run, run That's
1: fucking porn because some guy jerked off to that bouncing bear. It's not, it's not it's just, that wasn't the That wasn't the plan. Just because people.
0: It was the plan though. She intended to sell her farts for kink.
1: I, is that what she said? Because I don't remember her saying that
0: okay okay then then you answered my question okay but okay. she actually had some medical complications she from did. the gas she did so she was like well now what can i blockchain it
1: yeah she made a digital fart coin a crypto gas jar <laughs> i know i tried to do it tried to do it different ways so it would sound good eventually it just sounds bad every time and it's the ultimate expression of where nfts are at it's as worthless as it gets it's a picture of a jar that has a fart in it but because people think it's going to be worth money they might buy it and it's just looking at it all back it's the opposite of being in the world of creativity and self-expression for the right reasons when you're making nfts of jars of farts you are only expressing that you are a fart and you are
0: and that you only care about yeah, fart money.
1: That you're, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty darn worthless. In fact, it's it's worse than doing nothing at all. Just being a fart.
0: Yeah, and I I sort of wonder what it's like when they really take a step outside of themselves and think, what what are my real aspirations? I don't know what they do.
1: I think they just think, can I make money off doing nothing at all? And if I can, then I've succeeded. The the way they add up whether they've succeeded at life is how much effort did I put in hopefully none how much money did I make hopefully a lot therefore it's great whereas if you do a lot of effort and get paid very little you're considered a failure even if you are doing something amazing like expressing yourself and not making any money in the process but ending up affecting people and letting people get to know you through how you express yourself we're going to talk about that in a little bit but first we're going to talk to the redneck Tonberry who has thoughts about Dude, that was so kind. That was such a supportive <laughs> whoop and whoop. The Redneck Tonberry has thoughts around the CEO of Square Enix, the company that owns the Tonberry brand, owns the Final Fantasy brand where Tonberries were born and what they're saying about NFTs for this new year.
0: Let's cut over to Tonberry.
1: <laughs> What's your grudge? I want to hear about it. Tell me about that grudge! Back again with the redneck Tonberry. It's been too long. Tonberry, how are you? Tonberry?
2: Tonberry. <laughs> <laughs> Tonberry, were you snoring? Were you sleeping? I was, I was I was asleep for a bit. For a bit. Um uh, for months. It's been, been, breath, been months, I think. Yeah. My breath tastes like. Burt's Bees lipstick.
1: <laughs> Your breath tastes like lipstick. Burt's Bees, the all-natural
2: yeah. stuff, the yellow yeah. stuff. It said it said plum on the tube. I thought it would taste like one.
1: I like plums. I didn't know that you like plums, and you ate
2: lip lip balm. You ate some balm. Yeah, and and it don't taste like no plum. It don't taste like bees neither. Have you eaten bees? Have you not?
1: (laughs) I have not eaten a bee, a real bee. No, I've eaten little candy honeybee shaped things that taste like honey. That's what I thought you thought that bomb was going to taste like. But you were hoping for bee taste or plum taste. You told me already it's plum. Yeah, I wanted
2: plum taste, but I would have settled for bee taste. But now I'm just hungry for the flesh of... What's his name? Yokse. Yok. <laughs> Yosuke, <Matsuda. laughs> Yo, Yosuke Matsuda. That's it. Yosuke Matsuda. That's right. Read his, the only reason I remember his last name is because I think there's a guy in um, that weird fighting game on the PS1, Eargights, named oh, Matsuda.
1: Yeah. You're right. And that is a where... I believe it was Square, but it might have been Square Enix by that time. On the I PS One, still
2: SquareSoft,
1: still SquareSoft. I think did that come with a demo of Final Fantasy VIII? So this is way before Yosuke was in charge. If I, yeah. if I got my history right.
2: Yeah, because he, uh, I think he took charge of the company fairly recently. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. According if to you my explain
2: why he's doing this fucking. You know, I was actually in a real good mood before the turn of the year. I was mm. talking, I was gonna talk about how I finally got around to playing Hades and how oh. that game's real good. Yeah. And then I was gonna talk about Endwalker, the Final Fantasy 14 expansion. It was that I enjoyed that so much I could get around the fact that they were hitting things with sides.
1: Yeah, people love that Endwalker. It's it's getting a lot of game of the year recognition. It's people saying it's it's everything they wanted out of the the storyline that is in itself the size of many games is my understanding oh, because yeah. that's been around. How long is final fantasy? This is
2: 16, 14. Final fantasy 14 has been around for over a decade. If you count that original version that came out. Wow. The one that tanked, I kind of liked it.
1: Yeah. Was it, it, was, different?
2: It, it was weird. And, and there wasn't really anything else that was quite like it.
1: Hmm.
2: And I like the soundtrack, but that's okay. I can just boot up the soundtrack. I got that. That's I think true. they sell it on a vinyl now. Well, that's fun.
1: Yeah, vinyls. Vinyls coming back. Physical physical media is making a return in a lot of ways. At the same time, as big money people are announcing they want to do digital currency, cryptocurrency, okay. in a whole new way where yeah. it is sometimes. Video game characters, video game graphics—you'd have to buy them separately in NFT form, and then the the blockchain, which is a bunch of computers running to make sure that you didn't counterfeit your NFT. Your your don't even work
2: neither. You can just people just hack those things, and that that one guy lost all his monkeys, didn't he? <laughs> yeah,
1: that's for some reason NFTs that have these sort of. There's something about them that bothers me. I don't want to say offensive, but you just look at these drawings of these apes and you feel like someone who thinks they're really clever but sort of hates people drew this. And they're very popular for some reason with the NFT crowd because they also think they're clever and oftentimes hate people. And yeah, you can just hack somebody's computer. Somebody did it through a dildo, apparently. You can can put some NFT Kraken hacking software and a sex toy. And then when somebody plugs it in, it takes all their, their digital pogs, essentially.
2: That's really what they are. Except at least pogs, you can whip them at kids across the street. That's true. I bet you've done that. And the kids are going to be okay. Even if it hits them in the eye. Even if you get it right in their mouth while they're screaming It's fine. I mean, they'll live. And you know what? It gets him to to shut the hell up for a second. Yeah, Which I wish Yosuke Matsuda would do. I wish he would (laughs) shut the hell up. The thing that really got me, Mm. I mean, look, I have intentionally avoided educating myself on much of the business jargon that that dipshit used in his manifesto. Mm. But when he started talking all condescending like Ah. people who play games to have fun it's a fucking game what the fuck else is it for apparently you play to contribute now is that what i'm here so this guy wants video games to be a second job that people have to pay for
1: yeah contribute contribute to global warming contribute to to a pyramid scheme, contribute to, to something, but the, okay. So for the listeners who don't know, the, the CEO of Square Enix put out a happy new year's letter right after new year's Eve on new year's day, I think it went out saying that they can't wait to get on the blockchain, get on NFTs and to recognize that a lot of people play video games for fun, but want to move towards a future where people play to contribute, which means play to make money for someone, maybe themselves, maybe a charity, it's, it's unclear, but it's definitely this thing. A lot of people who are in charge of video games, but don't actually like video games say, which is I want video games to be more than just fun. They have to be productive, which is as you're saying, my dear Tonberry friend, the exact opposite of why most people play video games.
2: The exact opposite they, of why I play video games. Yeah.
1: I I don't know anyone who says I play video games in order to be responsible or in this case, irresponsible with the environment because even the best of NFTs are going to end up using more energy than is necessary. Everything you can do with an NFT, you can do without an NFT. The only difference is it doesn't necessarily turn into currency. You can sell outside of the game world. The thing about NFTs is they're very attractive to people who want to use folks who like video games in order to make money outside of the world of video games. And it's 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 gross.
2: It is grosser than a Marlboro's mouth.
1: <gasps> oh, the green?
2: It's a it's a plant. Is it? That's what they technically are. They're plants. In fantasy games, I forget which one had the first Malboro ever, but for, those, for the uninitiated, imagine a, a mass of vines that are kind of tentacly, and it's got a bunch of eyeballs and a big old mouth, and it has this thing it does called bad breath, where it just breathes on you, and, and you get confused and poisoned and blinded by it. Mm. among other things and that's what i think of when i think of people who endeavor to invade the video gaming medium Mm. which has enough problems as it is without people trying to poison blind and confuse the average layman who would probably prefer i know i would to just sit down and 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 play Hades. Yeah, have fun. Just play a, a video. I mean, why Relax. do you think really likes Hades so much? You sit down, I went to a Target and I I saw a copy of Hades there mm. and a, a four-pack of IBC root beer and a Starbucks pumpkin spice latte and I I bought all those things and that was the end of it. That's me playing to contribute, motherfucker. I contributed my money. And Supergiant Games contributed a disc. I can <laughs> stick it in my PS4. And my damn self.
1: That's the <laughs> like I feel like you're getting up to do something as you're explaining this. I'm picturing you putting stuff down and picking it up and moving around, just rearranging your your space as you're chatting.
2: You know, I think I think it might be time to do that. Really? You're gonna really- yeah, I'm thinking I might, I don't know, wander off somewhere. <laughs> I hear Nebraska's nice. It, Nebraska is very nice. It's not always
1: warm, but... That's all right. Yeah, you can embrace, you can embrace what happens. But I, back to this whole contribute thing, I want to ask you... Nebraska. I want to ask you about if there were a game that you could play that actually did contribute to something good... Would that be attractive to you? Like If this line that Square Enix CEO is feeding us about how we're moving forward to an era where we'll play video games and make the world a better place, and we all know that they just mean make more money for them and be blinded by the bad breath of capitalism and think, oh, well, I'm going to make some money off myself. I'm going to, I'm going to make a NFT sword in this Final Fantasy game and then sell it to some poor chump for... 20 bucks when it's really worth zero bucks in in real life but if that wasn't a lie if they really thought wow we're gonna make the world a better place in what way would you want to make the world better what kind of play to contribute game would you actually want to play in order to contribute
2: you know what i would do is i think when i think of play to contribute Mm. this actually does take me back to final fantasy 14 oh does it well, because I, I like to watch the role-playing community in that game from time to time. I like mm-hmm. to watch them go about their day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they put a lot of work into mundane shit. You know, like, they'll tell stories amongst themselves about grand adventures and, oh, look, we're on the moon. What now? There's a cactus.
1: <laughs> that sounds bizarre and
2: great. I, I love it. But, Another thing that they'll do that role players in Final Fantasy 14 will do is they will get people together to put on like a stage show and they'll actually choreograph what the characters in the games do and say to, to music and they'll sync it up. Wow. And it is one of the most impressive digital feats I have ever seen. Hmm. And I will never forget it. For as long as I live. And that is what contribution through play looks like. Because mm-hmm. I bet it's hard work. I bet you got to like sync up what you're doing with the song to the second. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure that it's creative and entertaining within the limitations of what the game allows you to do. Mm-hmm. And I I tell you, I will never forget it. It's amazing. I'd love to
1: see it. It sounds. It sounds like... Someone saw, wow, there's this digital world that people are taking seriously now and I take it seriously. Instead of just trying to cash in on it by inserting currency and capitalism into it, they try to insert even additional layers of artistry and creativity to the whole thing to show their real passion for it and their urge to communicate with the players of the game in a genuine way. That sounds fantastic.
2: And you know what? Another thing Suda said is that no one's being rewarded for their creativity. Really? With things as they are. He, he did say that. But in the current video game in space, no one's being rewarded for creativity. Number one, I'm pretty sure the Super Mario Maker community would like to have a word. Because if that's not creative, I don't know what the fuck is. I'm picturing,
1: <laughs> I'm picturing the Super Mario Maker community committee getting together and saying, Sir, we'd like to have a word. And it'd be like, oh, like,
2: like no, no. Just, like they, 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 he has to like stand before a tribunal of super Mario maker players.
1: <laughs> exactly. exactly. And, and <laughs> he's going to have to, to face a fate. So I don't know enough about this guy, whether he has a history of being a creative, an artist, someone who works for the passion and not for the, the cash, someone who, who didn't have profit motive, but I really doubt it. It's the CEOs usually get there by climbing their way over other people because they are the ones who will do what it takes to make the most money and do what it takes to beat other people in that competition. It's all, Oh, that was a, that was a juicy belch. You're belching.
2: It was. And let me tell you, I've got Marlboro levels of morning breath. (laughs) So we should wrap up. I love, talk to you and maybe the next time we
1: talk it'll be from nebraska who knows but i guess if you have a closing thought on what we're supposed to do about square enix from this point do we do we support the artists who work there even though the ceo is bothering us do we just try to play the games we'd love to play and not worry about it too much what do we do how do we contribute in a good way and still love our games what do we do
2: i'm not the decider no i'm not no but I will hearken back to something I said a while back, mm-hmm. a while back, which is I may not know what art is, and I still don't, mm-hmm. but I know that it's something. And I got a grudge against anybody who thinks it's nothing and tries to sell it to me. Mm-hmm. And that's this guy. Mm-hmm. This is the face of the enemy. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of person, and it's all across the industry. Mm-hmm who are trying actively and blatantly to make video games worse. Mm-hmm. And you take that information and you do with it as you see fit. Mm-hmm. But I want everybody to know video games will be worse if the Yosuke Matsudas and the Bobby Kotick's and the Eve Jamoes of the world have their way. I think that there are enough people on the ground floor still buying copies of Hades at a target mm-hmm. that we can see to it that they don't.
1: Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen, sister.
2: Or I'll just get out my rolling pin. <laughs> what are you, you going to do with that? I mean, ask the people at Sony that you can still buy games on the PS3 because of that rolling pin. <laughs>
1: you beat them. In, I, I had forgotten you beat them in a submission.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah, but it's a long way to wherever that guy is.
1: Yeah, it'd be nice if we Maybe didn't. Yeah, just to...
2: beat him up in near Automata. You can do that.
1: That's right. He's a boss in, in. Is he a boss in one of the Final Fantasy games too? Nah. <laughs> oh, why would he do that?
2: Nah, well, yeah. but I wish he was because now all I'm thinking is Final Fantasy Seven mm. is a video game about. The dangers of unchecked capitalism. Mm-hmm. People who will sap the planet for profit. And you know what happens to the president of that company?
1: I can't remember. Shinra is the name of the company, but I can't yeah. remember what happens to him. Yeah.
2: President Shinra is his name. Mm. And he gets run through. <laughs> Whoa. Sephiroth shish kebabs his ass.
1: Wow. That's, I'm, I'm so filled with thought and feeling about that Sephiroth famous for killing girls who sell flowers and no healing spells also famous now for being smash brothers and also the killer of capitalist CEOs who knows yeah. who knows what the future lies in store it'll be fun to find out
2: you know I bet he's not uh, not that bad of a guy <laughs> it's probably just
1: thinking this is the best way to do his job and contribute but let's hope he he has some sort of change of heart, some, some
2: change of thought and feeling because it's possible for people to be better. I hope so. And so do I, but in the meantime, I'm gonna need to stock up on sweet tea if I'm going to Nebraska. Well,
1: good luck on your trip and, and thanks for talking to us.
2: Oh, anytime, anytime, long as I'm not sleeping.
1: She told us about her grudge, now let's get back to the show. Thanks, Tonberry. So good to hear Tonberry's voice again missed them so and hopefully they're gonna have a good time on that move. They actually are gonna to move.
0: To Nebraska. To Nebraska.
1: I'm so oh curious my about God. that. So next time we talk to Tonberry, they'll probably be a Nebraskan. But their thoughts, as always, brought to mind what it's really all about, which is trying to make things that truly touch people by expressing who you really are. And I was surprised at the big name video game to do that over the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. It's called Wordle.
0: Oh, yeah. I haven't played it today.
1: Yeah, I didn't play today either. I was too busy. Named after a guy named Wardle. Okay. He's like, I'm going to make this for my partner who loves word games. And it's going to be funny. Instead of it being named Wardle, it's going to be called Wordle. And everyone is going completely bananas about it.
0: Well, I just get mad because I can only do one.
1: Yeah. They, They put these unmarketable limitations on it. You can only play Wordle once a day. And I think everyone gets the same word too.
0: It's also web based.
1: Yep, it's web based, and it is very well programmed. Very easy to play. Very intuitive, though. Very easy to lose sometimes. I've I've come I, up against some tough ones. Oh,
0: I thought I think it's pretty easy to win. Well, you're, maybe you're. I'm a maybe my <laughs> IQ level is.
1: But my point is, they were like, "Hey, Wardle,
0: hundred thousand
1: people are playing this game a day at least." What if you put an ad on there? He's like, nah, I don't want it to be about ads. I want it to be about fun.
0: Is he already rich, though? No,
1: he's not poor. But as far as I know, he is a programmer for Reddit and is just a back-end guy. Oh, fun. Yeah, he's probably making 100000 a year, I hope, so he's not poor by any means. But he's not rich like he could be rich if he decided to put one ad on Wordle and, and change it so you can play more than once a day. So you're seeing more than one ad. He could turn that into a couple million dollars a year business, at least, overnight. And he said, no, you know what? I'd rather it just be better. And I'd rather it be more true to what my original vision was. And I'd rather it be better for my partner. My partner doesn't want ads on there.
0: Gosh, I I don't think that I could do that if I were. (laughs) I wouldn't be doing that. I'd be like, put slap three ads on that (laughs) bitch between each try. I want to retire yeah that I want to open my own pole studio just for fun yeah and hardly work it
1: yeah yeah that's I see what that I... angle too but I think he's just like I am having fun this is my pole studio and you Tanya have told you should me
0: see my face
1: you have told me
0: mm-hmm. that
1: you would like to give free pole classes
0: that's actually true
1: and this is his free pole class
0: I would, would like to do a community poll class. I've been what, thinking about that.
1: And what if you were like, well, you know, if you only let rich jerks in there, the, the snobby and mean, but they'll pay you a lot of money. But that's that's going to be your lasting legacy. You'd be like, I'd rather do the free one. I'll make money some other way. You know.
0: I suppose.
1: Yeah, you'd have to think about it. I'm I sure. Would. I'm sure Wardle has thought about it, but he's left with, I'm going to die. Who knows when I'm going to have this be my legacy. Wordle. Is he
0: old AF? No, he's younger oh. than me. Oh, jeez. But
1: people think about this at this point in their life all okay. the time. Like, what is my lasting message to the world going to be? What difference am I actually making in people's lives? Am I putting ads into their brain and trying to squeeze as much money out of them as I can? Or am I going to actually give them something pure and good that is totally for them and for me to express myself? And what my gift of love to my partner was. It was really just a a love letter to their, their partner.
0: That's really gonna, sweet. He's not going
1: to slap ads on that. Picture if your loved one gave you a Valentine's Day card and he opened it <laughs> up and it said, eat at Arby's. Yeah, I was
0: kind of like twin lobsters. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. And then like, can you show this card around... Just, get your uh,
0: Dunkachinos. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> I was just hoping you could uh, show your friends this card so maybe they'll get some Dunkachinos. Every Dunkachino they buy, i get, you know, 15 cents or something. You'd you'd be pretty bummed out. It would no longer be a love letter. It would have You're secondary so gain.
0: right. You're absolutely correct on that. Thanks.
1: Someone <sighs> else who's big on love letters of a sort, love letters to video games gone by. Yep. Love letters to Macaulay Culkin in a way. Mm-hmm. And also, love letters to the, the spookiness, the dark magic of video game development, Rainy Baker. Rainy Baker. new guest on the show. Coming up now, here's Rainy.
2: Rainy's gonna make, and Rainy's gonna bake, and Rainy's gonna make a video game for you, and Rainy's gonna have, and Rainy will attack, and Rainy's gonna
0: have a game for you. Rainy.
1: Rainy Baker? What a <laughs> what a cool name. Is it Rainy Like the Crow? Is it Rainy Like Dark and Rainy? How is uh, your brain?
3: Uh, oh, it's just, uh, um, it's actually kind of funny, people. Uh, I really didn't think of that aspect of it, like, when I chose this name. It wasn't, like, you know, I wasn't really thinking of the weather. It was just, you know. I just it's it's a nice sounding name. It is a so. very nice
1: sounding name and I like the rain, so it suits me. And it's so nice of you to be willing to be on the show It sort of sort of caught you by surprise. We had a loose time. we were gonna start and then I was like, I'm ready and you're like, oh what? And you, <laughs> you shuffled to get going and I, I really, really appreciate it for so people should know you have written for Cracked and Grunge and Bunny Ears. Which I yeah. think is Macaulay Culkin's website. It is
3: Macaulay Culkin's website, yes.
1: Have you ever talked to Macaulay Culkin?
3: I have not, unfortunately. We we follow each other on Twitter, but we've never like directly interacted. We were gonna have like some meetings and stuff. We had a really like tight, small um, uh, crew at Bunny Ears, and there was gonna be like a get together, and then the pandemic kind of ruined that. So. Oh,
1: sure, sure, sure. And I couldn't help but wonder if you. And maybe still will meet Macaulay Culkin if you will talk to Macaulay about your ROM hacks because you've hacked you've hacked Macaulay
3: yeah, into, I did, into yeah.
1: a scary face, a, a spooky <laughs> surprise. It was a yeah. Home Alone game, and you turned it into,
3: into a horror game. Yeah.
1: yeah, you did. You did. So you <laughs> hack NES games, and you also make original games, and you yeah. somehow have gone in between the two too. There's at least one game. I'm blanking on the name of it. I think it's about the summertime and it's a oh, yeah. Mario and a beautiful anime person in the Contra world. Am I remembering yeah. that right?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: What, what's going on with that one? Tell it just so people get a feel for what you make. What is, what's going on in that game?
3: Uh, that one in particular was uh, for a game jam um, for, there's a local gaming team called uh, Portland Indie Gaming Squad, pig squad. And uh, it was a, uh, game jam about the summer and then it was also they had a secondary theme of like unreliable narrators it was like the the story of that game it's still being worked on i'm still tweaking it and stuff but uh the essentially the idea was that it's it was me telling a story of a summer as a kid in the 80s but filtered through the nes game contra because you know those nes games were a big part of my childhood and stuff. So it's like, you know, um, yeah, like an unreliable narrator story. Like, you know, um, yeah, you know, summer vacation uh, blowing up aliens so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and embracing your own unreliable memory and, and wanting to make the most of it, because it's sounding like you are the unreliable narrator and you're like, let's have fun with my unreliability. Let's share. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And on top of all that, you're also the front person for a band called Destroyed for Comfort. Yes. And you, it's spooky. You, I watched a video. You were dancing, and you turned Journey into a a, a demon march. And you were <laughs> you were you were filled with fun and energy and this kind of, I don't know. I want to talk to you about evil, because evil <laughs> is bad, right? Like it's bad, but. <laughs> a lot of things that are associated with evil are not bad they're just fun and rebellious right and i get from you an empathetic heart and a spunky spirit that uses evil aesthetic for good am i sure. getting you right just tell me if i'm <laughs> wrong about you i'm just guessing
3: i mean i i've always liked like spooky stuff i mean it was it's growing up in the the late 80s and stuff it was a lot of like staying up late when parents were in bed and then like when fox network first came out um before it became like the whole like right-wing fox news thing they used to be a lot more like anarchic with the the you know we're talking like the the married with children and early simpsons era mm-hmm. of like fox and one of the things they would do is that on weekends they, they would have these midnight showings of horror movies that you just couldn't get anywhere else. You couldn't run them and stuff. And so that's mm. the first time I got to see like The Gate, uh My Bloody Valentine. And then of course they had that uh, the series, the the Freddie's Nightmare series that was like mm. a, a nightmare on Elm Street like Tales from the Crypt. Show. Yeah Tales from the Crypt kind yeah. of show. Yeah.
1: Yeah Freddie yeah, uh, so. I can't remember that show that well but I remember Freddie smiling at you and being like, here we go.
3: Yeah, oh yeah. There's another oh, yeah.
1: one. Like just taking so delight in it.
3: Yeah, it was very much built off the uh, um, keeper like uh, you know sort of model. You know, like he would make smart-ass commentary and stuff. He was the host, but also the primary villain too. So he's just mm. like, watch me murder these people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and a lot of the you know the show is actually kind of kind of terrible it didn't you know a lot of the special effects and stuff did not age well but like it's Hmm. it's still kind of fun to watch Uh, there's an episode one of my particular favorites actually starred um the guy who later created Hedwig and the Angry Inch
1: oh sure really
3: yeah yeah huh yeah there's a there's a whole episode starring him like he works at like a a burger restaurant or something and and wants to actually wants to like leave you know his little small town and, and become like a movie star and stuff and everybody's trying to kind of like hold him down because he's you know the family restaurant and whatnot and it turns into this big elaborate like nightmare americana sort of thing it's it's huh it's, yeah
1: i will check it out and if i remember correctly the the song i heard i looked at a bunch of your track listings and i listened to a youtube video and the song was called she was such a nice christian boy
3: yeah she used to be such a nice christian she boy used to
1: be yeah so was that autobiographical
3: Sort of, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, yeah, I grew up with a very religious, very conservative upbringing, uh, like a little tiny town in Texas and, you know, that whole canard.
1: <laughs> and now you have grown up to your own person and have really taken so many of those things and flipped them. And I'm so curious about how you got into ROM hacking at first because it is going into sort of the the code, the word, the, the things that we thought were unshakable or unbreakable about the games we played. And you've decided to go in and you've discovered a lot of cool stuff that I would have never guessed was in there recently. Some of the Ninja Gaiden hacks you, you were chronicling were super interesting. And then you've just gone in and made games better or different or weirder a lot of the time. So what, what interested you in digging into these games that you grew up with and deciding to kind of make them your own? Um, Well, it was something I'd been
3: curious about for ages. I mean, I've been downloading, like, ROM hacks and stuff since they started making them back in the early aughts and whatnot. You know, it started out with things like translations and stuff so I could get to play some of those Japanese games and stuff be able to, like, understand what's going on, especially, like, the RPGs and stuff, which can be, like, really difficult to, like, experiment your way through when everything's in a completely different language mm. so stuff like that and then the other things stuff to make the games like easier like unlimited lives or things like that i've always been like perusing them and it, it, this was just uh but getting into like actually like hacking them myself is, is it was a fairly recent thing though it's um i just kind of stumbled across these youtube tutorials on how to do it and, and i was like okay well this seems relatively <laughs> painless to get into it, it start you know um and 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 sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. Um, mm. The NES is like kind of the end of this era of game development that is like a like a wild west sort of thing. Mm. Because you know these days um, when you're building a game, I mean, there's there's these established uh, engines you build them in. You know, like like Renpy or Twine or Game Maker or the big one, the the Unity. Unity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Stuff like that. Yeah. And so there's these established frameworks that everything's kind of built in. So you can kind of reverse engineer what other other game developers have done fairly easily because you're working with the same tools that they were, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas back in the days of like the NES and the Commodore 64 and, you know, the Atari 2600 and stuff, there weren't tools. There was just No tools, just assembler, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, just like with something like the NES, there's different definite like hardware registers and stuff that you can kind of trace around. If you want to play like a, a C sharp note in channel two of the pulse thing, that is a definite set of hardware register bytes that, you know, need to go in this order, but how they... Make those, you know, like how they make that travel through the game's RAM and in and out of the, uh, you know, the sound register and stuff. They just made it up as they went along. Uh, like every every game, I think that well, one of the things I was I was starting to get into was was the sound hacking because it seemed so challenging. Like a lot of people uh, who hack NES games, they mostly focus on like text editing and uh, graphics and stuff because uh, it's a little more straightforward. A lot of NES hackers don't even touch it because every game has a slightly different music and sound effects engine. Mm. Like, it all does the same thing on the machine end, but, like, on the in-programming end, you're, you're basically just starting over with every new game. Like, even, even games programmed by the same sound editor as person that is in the software. Like, you know, even the same guy making you know music for more than one game, he's probably built that engine slightly differently, and there's a whole other thing you gotta like work around if you wanna like, you know, hack the music, like change it around. You know, I've I've, um, I've had some success in like uh, swapping around like the soundtracks and stuff in some games and not so much in others, <laughs> but. Um,
1: it's, it's so amazing to me that you would wanna take the challenge of digging into this and basically creating black magic it sounds like you found the ancient texts (laughs) and you were like i don't know what this spell's gonna do i'm gonna say i'm gonna recite the words i'm gonna i'm gonna mess up the words (laughs) i'm gonna do them backwards maybe if i do this spell backwards it's gonna make a beautiful noise or it's gonna it's gonna kill someone you're gonna find out though and you're you're constantly experimenting with it you're on you seem undaunted by it in fact you seem Totally enamored with it. Is that is that right?
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy the challenge. I enjoy like sometimes breaking stuff. You find something new and interesting. Like with that Home Alone game hack, mm-hmm. one of the things that I did with it was something I figured out how to do by accident. Like I made some of the the I made the graphics kind of ghostly, kind of shadowy, and it actually is a technique of like kind of raking the, the tile, the way the tiles are arranged. Whoa. Yeah, so yeah. It's,
1: it's not simple. It is... It is, <laughs> And it's not easy. And it <laughs> is magical. You have a deep understanding of this stuff. You're not making a million dollars a year off it. No. You, you, <laughs> you're, you're not doing it for the, the money. You're getting money, as you should, because it's great work and you're sharing it with the world. But... You have gotten to dig deep into games that were made for a commercial audience, and you have, in some in some instances, uncommercialized them like you did with Home Alone, though I think that game would sell great if you could get the <laughs> rights uh, to, to sell it now on a cartridge or something. I think you'd be able to sell thousands of copies overnight. With a lot of your hacks, you're touching upon stuff we always sort of felt was insidious or creepy about these games we grew up with, and then just turning the volume up on the creepy factor
3: oh sure (laughs) it's
1: it's, it's really so people are relating with your your work and as they should but you're not going out of your way to try to make work that you know has a big profitable audience so i'm curious about your motivations you said it's fun and that's could be the the end of it i don't want to dig deeper (laughs) try to dig deeper if it's just i just enjoy it leave me alone guy you know i'll I'll back (laughs) off but and also wanting to know if you got a sense of the motivations of some of the developers you've hacked because you've discovered a lot of stuff that was really cool like the weather effect in ninja gaiden that they just like turned off for some reason and you turned it on and and you saw that it did make the game a little bit more jarring and, and hard to read sometimes but it was also like Really fun-looking and and intense and expressive. So, so yeah, I'm wondering what you found out about game developers by hacking their stuff, and how that relates to your motivations as a developer.
3: Well, what uh, um, I've said for a while that like the the one of the my ulterior motives of doing all this like hacking um, is uh, I am building up my own kind of personal stash of assets and stuff that I've like designed. And, uh, I mean, I, I do have a copy of NES Maker at this point. Um, I have been kind of poking around on it. Mm. Um, so, I mean, there is going to be a fully ground up, I built it all myself, like, Randy Baker NES game, like, in the future. Um, cool. Yeah, so uh, it's just, I, I'm hacking games that inspired the ideas that I would like to see and i like to be able to replicate Mm. And and there's no really better way to like replicate it than just open the thing up and like look at the guts. It's of the thing I'm trying to like imitate. You know? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like an anatomy class, you're you're digging yeah. into the frog's guts. So, I was really struck this week by how there's even more and more NFT talk in the gaming industry, and it made me want to reach out to you to be on the show even more because you just seem to be the opposite of that. In most ways is that does that sound about right when you look at what's going on in the game industry do you feel like you fit in in any particular place or do you feel like it's becoming more and more a place that is antithetical to what you want to do
3: um like i can't say that i'm not curious about from a purely like technical mechanical perspective of of how blockchain could be incorporated into games like you know just from a purely like how does that work i'm, mm, I'm you know like I a scientific have like a,
1: mind of it mm-hmm.
3: like i have been kind of keeping an eye on it just for the sake of understanding the tech behind it better mm-hmm. but i don't know i mean there's a, a lot of uh game developers that have made some wildly popular games recently you know not too long ago like kind of started out as uh, um as game hackers i mean um Undertale I mean oh
1: sure 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 mm-hmm. yeah I
3: mean Undertale was basically built out of a hack of um, earthbound Earthbound. yeah hmm yeah there is precedent for you know what I'm doing absolutely
1: um, absolutely and- I didn't mean to make it sound as though you were you were not gonna be wildly rich and famous soon because <laughs> you, you certainly certainly could be but Toby Fox creator of Undertale with a team Temmie Chang, I think is one of those artists. They yeah. went into it hoping, but they still weren't so profit motivated. Sure. They were were hoping they could do the kind of thing they wanted to do and then find an audience right. after that. And it, it seems to me that that there you do have some hope that you'll be able to do the same thing, but maybe it won't. Maybe you'll just be this wild outsider doing this cool stuff people stumble upon and never and that's fine too that's fine
3: too (laughs) like i like i actually uh i'm actually pretty excited uh that i like somebody on twitter posted me a link to like these uh slovakian like zx spectrum hackers like that made a bunch of like very strange zx spectrum games and that's actually something i was i was wanting to to incorporate into my nes hacking is because it's shockingly easy to pull graphics out of like a zx spectrum game and stuff them into an nes game
1: really so like, yeah huh zx spectrum wasn't there a game about an egg that people were dizzy. like oh yeah <laughs> yeah, busy. Dizzy. yeah the, the dizzy games like, so uh, yeah rainy people think that my opinions about video games are really weird they tell me all the time They're like, <laughs> oh what you didn't get the new game that everyone likes and oh you're talking about some Old game or some game that only sold five hundred thousand copies, and here you are finishing my sentences about Dizzy and the <laughs> MSX. Experience. So the, it, it I, well, I mean, just Dizzy,
3: want... Dizzy was a wildly successful game. I mean, there was a, there was a whole series of them, I and they, they I know, it's lot. not what's hot know,
1: right mean? now. You're we're, we're <laughs> not. Sure, friend. <laughs> I would love to see Dizzy pop up in Fortnite next to The Rock in Spider-Man and who knows but but yeah, so you I feel a kinship with you around that and I also feel like a uh, projective empathy, wanting to make sure you feel like you've got a place in this world. Do you feel like you have a place in the world Rainy? <laughs> um, You know uh, I, I, I guess
3: <laughs> That's,
1: that's a very, that's a very uh, um you're, you're speaking for so many of us right now when you say that. If you were to ask me the exact same question, I would almost definitely answer in the exact same way. I guess. I just, yeah, you know yeah. how tomorrow goes? I, I got through today. But
3: so. The, the world is changing a lot. And so, you know, you can carve out a space and then it just kind of like it's washed over like a sandcastle at the beach or whatever, you know? Yeah. Like I mean, there's just so much very drastic change in and how in everything right going yeah. on right now
1: yeah you know? physical space virtual space culture yeah. niches, uh, scenes people are all behind somebody one day and then the next day they're they're gone i don't i yeah. didn't tell you this before rainy but i was on a reality show when you were a kid uh mtv's road rules oh okay movie. have you seen that before
3: i uh i i was aware of it i didn't actually see it though
1: exactly rainy it washed away <laughs> the rain it's gone nobody knows what that show is you're you're being polite like oh yeah i think i saw a commercial for it once in between freddy's nightmares and and the gate <laughs> <laughs> Fox. Right. yeah, yeah. I,
3: I, honestly i think uh um the the most i know about it is probably from uh references probably dunking on it by,
1: like, Chuck Klosterman in one of his books. <laughs> that's right. I've been, in a way, dunked on by Klosterman, and that's not a bad way to go out. <laughs> well, I think we're out of time, Ramy. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about
3: before we wrap up? Um, I, I Actually, we've been trying to chase down information about the guy who uh, made the soundtrack for Animorphs Game Boy Color, because... like that soundtrack was really good. I don't
1: know. (laughs) I got in a wild Twitter fight with strangers about the Animorphs Game Boy Color game. Someone saw a screenshot of it. Maybe it was even you who shared it. This is all very hazy memory. I'm a very unreliable narrator. As anyone who listens to this show knows. So we're right in line again there too. The Animorphs game for Game Boy Color was kind of like Pokemon. Oh yeah. And I shared a screenshot of it. Someone said, that looks awesome. Someone came out of nowhere doesn't follow me and is just like don't say that that game's the worst. I hate that game so much like a really <laughs> passionate anamorphs how have they even played it? But they uh, they hate it and maybe they're going to follow me on Twitter and help us hate Maybe they hate follow me and hate follow that game enough <laughs> to know who made the soundtrack for it, and if. if
3: well actually, do. like I've I've chased down some information about him. Like, yeah. um, I found out about the game through the games done quick, like the oh, sure. um, speed run thing. They had a speed run of it during like the awful block or, or whatever, and then, and I was just like, what is going on with this soundtrack? It's incredible, and so I was, uh, started listening to it, and I was like, I bet, you, like it seems like this guy has. Some sort of background in like experimental music, like they, it has to, like just the way the 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 music is structured in the game. And it turns out he's like recorded albums with like the uh Japanese noise band Boredoms. He's worked with Steve Albini. He's worked with like uh David like, Yao with the from the Jesus Lizard. So far, like, all I can find is like kind of discogs information of like albums he's mm-hmm. recorded. I can't find much like about him just right. about some some albums and stuff that he did but it's all like everything he's done besides the soundtrack for this gameboy game is all noise rock and experimental music and i'm just like i need to know more about this guy <laughs> like like how did this happen how did he wind up making the soundtrack for this gameboy game like how, what how, where did how did they get this like weird experimental noise musician to do this
1: game yeah does it sound That's i'll, I'll so have cool. to listen to the soundtrack myself because people... It's
3: really good. It does. Uh, I mean, it's got some like really amazing like musical transitions and stuff that are very unexpected, and it's a lot noisier in general than you know. It sounds like. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not sure if you were aware of like the um, the Game Boy rave scene of
1: like the the mid to late aughts or whatever. I, I know or... just a little bit about it from uh, Jake Vert Kaufman, who did the soundtrack for Shovel Knight as an acquaintance. Oh, okay. And he's told me about it because he, of course, loves digging into that culture. But I'm not super familiar with it.
3: Yeah, they they, they used to have some really great like uh, live showcases and stuff at like South by. I, mean, I used to live in Austin before I moved sure. here in Portland, and like so like they used to have some really amazing like showcases of that kind of music at like South by Southwest. And um, and it's just crazy because like you know like some of these Game Boy techno musicians that that was here you know, at these shows and stuff, like this this weird little Game Boy game from, you know, 2000, like, this officially from the Animorphs. Like, I mean, the, the music of it sounds like these experimental musicians, like, deliberately trying to make, you know, crazy noises with the, with the Game Boy.
1: Yeah, and what better game than Animorphs for that, which had mainstream yeah. appeal, but also by modern standards seems totally bizarre that it was ever just a normal thing that kids liked, watching someone be halfway between rat form and like a cute little kid with, with pigtails form, for <laughs> to have that be the music that is both fun and insidious and, and rough <laughs> and sweet at the same time. And yeah. it's perfect for you, Rainy. Jeez, what a, what a fantastic cap. I, I'm gonna ask, uh, I know I should cap it off because we're over time, but I'm gonna ask some folks. I, I'm vaguely acquainted with Mike Mika who was making Game Boy Color games? He made the little Nicky Game Boy Color game. What? How's that? How
3: is that <laughs> okay, well, I guess I have something to look up. Like
1: you gotta look up Mike Mika. He's a he's a great guy. He does hacks too. He hacked um, Donkey Kong and made Pauline playable, and it was. Oh,
3: okay. Oh, I've seen that hack. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: You would you would know Mike's work, and he's done a lot of work people have never heard of. He's also very passionate about this stuff and has been doing it forever. And Kate Willard might know. Kate Willard is a real genius video game historian digging into all aspects of, of how games were built from the 60s on up. So I'll ask those two, and I'll get back to you, and we'll all be friends. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'm so happy you're on the show. And everyone should check out your Patreon. I'll put a link to it in the in the show notes. Also,
3: guess- put a link to the Ko-Fi, too. Like that, one's, that one's the, the Ko-Fi uh,
1: with the gonna do them both yeah Go to the yeah. cofi it's it co-fi.com destroyed for com 4t yep. shop shows all your hacks do i have that right Yep. yep. yeah and then your and your patreon i'm finding yep. it no there's your link tree there's a that's a good one too link tr- link dot ee destroyed for com 4t and your patreon Is also destroyed for COM 4T. Yep. (laughs) That spooky Macaulay, that blood coming right out of his eyes. (laughs) Oh no, he says. And he made a Sans. Made a Sans from Undertale game, too. So many things for people to discover the wonderful world of Rainy Baker. Thanks so much for being on the show. No problem. Thank
3: you. Thank you for having me.
1: It's Rainy. So I don't know if you noticed, but it sounded like I was at the beach.
0: Oh, are, you really did, yeah. Yeah. But only you.
1: I know. Maybe I was only at the beach. I don't the know. The waves
0: were crashing. You were in your element. <laughs> I could just see you out there in some sort of friggin' reclining chair, your headphones on and your microphone.
1: <laughs> just enjoying the the just, waves. Yeah. In mid December, and it's now January. It's the whole new year. It's wild. 2022, isn't it? We're I doing know, it. I know. With Rainy Baker. Check out Rainy's patron and Kofi.
0: <laughs> Cofefe.
1: <laughs> Patreon and Ko-Fi, I think it's pronounced. Oh, okay. There's different ways to support Rainey because related with Rainey so much. Rainey is doing great work and exciting work, fun work. Not work, as I said, that I think is gonna make them a billion dollars anytime soon. But they still they love their ideas. She loves her ideas and wants to go for it. And it's a little surprised when people are like, oh, you don't think this is going to be marketable? Because it feels so right when they're doing it. I'm the same way. I've done all sorts of unmarketable stuff. And not not really thought about it. And then when it was done, people are like, oh, well, clearly ArtHawk wasn't going to become the hot new YouTube sensation. (laughs) But then
0: ArtHawk has made little appearances here and there in many things. ArtHawk has made little appearances
1: here and there. It's true. ArtHawk has got some authenticity that people have. Seen as respectable enough and admirable enough to add to their projects, but after I did ArtHawk, I was like, yeah, maybe that'll be the maybe that'll be the next PewDiePie, maybe that'll be the next Smosh, and no, ArtHawk was not.
0: And <laughs> it I can was, it was worth a try, Jonathan. It, it,
1: it, and I I think it was a success, just like Rainey Baker is a success. So we're back, we're back with guests. We're gonna have more guests on soon. I've got to line them up as soon as Monday. I think we're gonna record.
2: That's exciting.
1: A lot of things just happening today. Scott Pilgrim is going to get its own anime.
2: Whoa. That was
1: just announced like an hour ago, so we didn't really have time to prepare much about it. Interesting, though, that they're doing that because they just had a flop with the live-action adaptation of the Cowboy Bebop anime. Now they're going the other way, and making an anime adaptation of something that was more recently live-action. Mm-hmm. That'll supposedly be more like the comic book. And of course, there's a video game involved. Maybe we can get one of the video game developers from the Scott Pilgrim game. I'm acquainted with a few of them. Nice. To be on the show. Who knows what's going to happen I next? I know. There's
0: so many possibilities. I love possibilities. I do too. And treat. you want you want to know something else that's really exciting? What? Daniel, our editor.
1: Yeah. It's so exciting.
0: Continuing to help us out with the show. And uh, we have a Patreon.
1: Yeah. And you should check it out. I think patreon.com slash... T-T-W-A-V, maybe? Yeah. Could be that.
0: Help Daniel out. He's been putting in the good work for us, timely and responsive.
1: And my plan is, I drew the cover for it with pencil, but I haven't done anything else with it because, man, it's been busy. But I was going to make a comic for the patrons
0: Oh,
2: The wow. patrons
1: and Patreon. Yep. Yeah. And I also have just a bunch of video game codes lying around.
0: You do. a big do. Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, you have that.
1: Probably like 50 of them. Maybe I can give those to the patrons too. I don't know. If there's more than 50 of you by the time... I give them out, then someone's going to be missing one, but if there's less than 50, maybe everyone will get a video game code, I don't know. Switch games, PS4 games.
0: Yeah. Got some
1: Steam games.
0: Ooh. (laughs) Sounded
1: like a real nerd just now. You
0: sure did. Yeah, big time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and here we are.
0: I know. And I've been meaning to do this for a really long time, ever since we brought Daniel onto the team. Oh, wow. I wanted to say, damn, Daniel. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I don't get
0: it. You don't know Damn Daniel? What's
1: that reference? No.
0: Fuck man, you are old. <laughs> Even I know Damn Daniel. What's
1: Damn Daniel?
0: Damn Daniel. Damn Daniel is I have to explain it to you. I think it might have been a TikTok oh, years yeah? back or a, or, vine? Or a YouTube, YouTube or a vine. Yeah. It might have been a vine What's it on? where there was this this one guy who would go to school and there is this like adolescent, very young adolescent. Team named mm. Daniel, mm. and he'd be like, Damn, Daniel, looking good in that white t shirt. Damn, Daniel, back at it again with the white man. And Daniel was like, Yeah, sure. Millions, wow. millions of people are now saying, Damn, Daniel,
1: unbelievable.
0: So, Damn, Daniel, doing great with this show and your editing.
1: Great job, Daniel. I mean, damn it. God damn it, Daniel. Is that what they did? No. no. That's what they should
0: have
1: done. Maybe we'll do that.
0: Oh, gosh. Well, thanks for joining us for another edition
1: of the Talking to Women About Video Games podcast. Thanks so much, everyone. Bye. Bye bye.